Welcome to The Sober Unicorn. We are a gay-hosted, all-inclusive podcast about sobriety and addiction recovery for the LGBT plus community and all of our allies. I'm your host, Holden, and thank you for joining us today. Well, hey, 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 it's Holden and I am an alcoholic. I hope everybody's doing well today. Uh, Today I'm being joined by Steve. Hello, everyone. Hello, Holden. Hey, Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastically sober. Good, good. Well, why don't you tell everybody like where you're from, your sobriety date, what your choice of drug was? Sure. Um, my choice of drug was alcohol. I am 226 days sober, though, so that's a little over seven months. Uh, I believe that means my sober date was May 28th of this past year, or it's last year now that we're in the new year. <laughs> And yeah, I, I was a big old drunk. Yeah, no, it's, uh, same here. Um, I know that you, we had talked earlier about how you, of course, you are in marriage, so you have a relationship. Yes. So you got, of course, sober during your marriage. I mean, how did that play out with like the support and everything from your spouse? It was a, a great mixture of support as well as like trauma that needed to be healed. Um, you know, they always say like when you first get sober, one of the things that everyone always talks about is like not to enter into a relationship during your first year. But there wasn't a lot of people when I first got sober talking about what to do if you're already in one. And like in that relationship, there was a lot of trauma because they were my caregiver when I you know got too drunk and wasn't able to care for myself. Um, you know, they would on days where they worked and I was off they lived in fear of not knowing what they would come home to in terms of how drunk I am or what I might be doing. Um, You know, there was, it was, it was an interesting experience because getting sober has been like one of the best things that ever happened to me. But at the same time, it made me not like after a couple months of it, it was oftentimes I forgot sometimes as my trauma was healing, as I'm working the steps and I'm going to my 12 step program that you know, as much as I suggested that they go to Al-Anon so that they can have like their own 12-step program to heal from the trauma, um, they, it was not the suggestion that they took. And so as my, as my trauma is being healed, I'm like, well, you know, things are all better. We're on the right track. And they're like, well, I'm still kind of like hurt because you were like just a sloppy drunk who was like, you know, blacking out and cheating on me like two months ago or three months ago. And, you know, it, it, you know, it's been some time and they've gotten into a a lot of like, like metaphysical healing and that's been helping them recently in the past. And that's been what their healing journey has turned into, but it did take a little while where I got a head start on healing from my wounds. And so, you know, it wasn't just my wounds that were needing to heal though, from all the trauma that my alcohol caused, but also uh, theirs as well. And so it was interesting because it was great having me emotional support and having like a sober buddy because, you know, they were always able to drink like a normal person. So it wasn't a big issue for them to stop Mm -hmm. drinking or keeping alcohol in the house when I got sober. So it was nice to have that support, but there were, there were certain times certainly where it was also a a struggle being with someone like who was almost like not expecting me to fail, but like waiting for the other shoe to drop because that shoe had dropped so many different times in the past. Oh, for sure. I know that people, I mean, I'm single. So they're saying, oh, wait a year. Don't 13 step is what they call it. And it's because they say that the person you are drunk and the person you are sober is two totally different people. Mm -hmm. So are you in fear that, of course, when you probably started your relationship, I'm assuming you were drinking. So Mm -hmm. are you in fear that as you progress in your sobriety and grow as an individual, 
that that may actually kind of separate the two of you as a couple not not necessarily i mean i have faith like we've been together for a little over like five years of marriage and like eight years of dating okay so um you know i i was worried about that at first but then you know, they started their own journey to recovery. And that was the big thing is I wasn't worried that we'd grow apart. I was worried that I would like, you know, work on my recovery while they didn't work on their trauma or their healing. And I knew that if that was the course that they ended up choosing, it could be difficult because there's no real path to forgiveness if you're not really addressing the past. Um, Yeah, no, of course. I think it's it's really hard, especially when most of us go into AA and kind of the, the way they start the 12 steps is very quickly. So they're like, mm-hmm. work through the trauma, work through it now. And so it's hard for us when we progress so quickly and that partner or that friend or that family member isn't willing or not ready yet to actually forgive. So it's it's very difficult. And I feel I could see that kind of the play where they're like, well, I don't want to go to Al-Anon. I'm not ready for that yet. Mm-hmm. So I mean, maybe in the future, hopefully he will step into that. Yeah. I mean, at least like the, the metaphysical journey that he's on right now is showing signs of healing. He had said last night that he's like, like now he's admitting like my sobriety has been like a good thing for us. And that like, he knows that it's strong. He's not waiting for that other shoe to drop the way that he was during my first, maybe three months of sobriety. Um, now that I'm like a little over seven months strong and I have my nightly meetings and I'm doing service and I have the, you know, my podcast and I have like everything going on to keep me sober. They're a little more confident that like, okay, this is, it's sticking. And that that's kind of, he can take a deep breath again without like worrying. Yeah, no, of course. And I mean, we'll mention it at the end. I forgot to say it in the beginning um, because I'm always so nervous, but Steve here is a host of his own podcast that is gay related and sober sobriety related and that's called gay a um and it's spelled g-a period y a period yes i always just do it all out without the periods but that is how it is in the logo (laughs) well i think on spotify when i went to find it that's actually how i had to search it with the abbreviations inside of it so it was it was interesting so show like can you paint a picture on what for you kind of led up like the final moments that led up to you stepping into the rooms? It was definitely, um, we had, we would try to adopt uh, a foster child and it didn't work out um, for any of us involved. And so after kind of having this narrative in my mind, my entire life that, you know, I get the job so I can, you know, find the husband so I can support, you know, myself and so we can get the house so we can get the kid. And then having us try parenting and having it not work out, it was such a change in the way that I thought my life was supposed to go that I felt like I lost and that there was nothing else like to do but drink. And so that's when I went from being a problematic drinker, maybe once every time I got drunk, which was maybe only once a month, but like every time I drank, it was a problem because <laughs> one was never enough, but it wasn't a regular occurrence until I would say after that, um, after the failed adoption is when there started being alcohol sprawled around the house with empty bottles and, you know, in the closet that, you know, if I was in the other room and I'd hear like clang, 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 what's this? I was like, oh shit, I'm about to get in trouble. Um, you have to find better hiding places well, at that time. <laughs> Yes. But, um, you know, with that, it was just having to like come to terms and accept that that's not the path that my life was meant to be on. And since then, you know, we've adopted a dog and that's the, that's the much better path for us. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm back to being on track to like making a new 
future for me that's different than the one I might have imagined when I was younger. But a big part of that has been sobriety because before then I was just drinking not to feel. Mm-hmm. And I know that the one main benefit of having a fur baby rather than a real one is when you travel, you could throw them off at a hotel. You yeah. can't really do that with a, a young child. <laughs> yeah. So being a, a person in the LGBT community, taking your first step into that room, did you go to a gay centered meeting or did you just walk into any room? I first just walked into any room because it was just a matter of like trying it out. I didn't really find the solace that I was hoping for in the rooms. It was, you know, and of course it doesn't help like when you're like physically going through withdrawal from alcohol and you're going to meetings and there's all these new words that you don't know or don't understand. Like those first couple of meetings were a fog, but I do know that they didn't touch me the way that they did until I found like a website with all the, the LGBT plus uh, meetings and going to those. Um, even then it took me like one or two, I tried like a local one didn't work out. Um, but I found one that's based in New York. That's become my home group that meets every night. And like, it was the first time in my life where like, I didn't feel alone. I felt alone with friends. I felt alone with my husband. I felt alone in my family at so many times throughout my life. And this was the first time I was like, I found my people, like they understand me. I can say like the worst things I've ever done. And they're just going to be all nodding their head because they've done something similar. <laughs> I drive. Yeah, which is good to find that acceptance. I know I have not had the opportunity yet to find an LGBT group itself. I'll and make sure I'm you mine. <laughs> yes. I mean, here I'm in Fort Worth, Texas, and there's only one that meets mm-hmm. only on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And I'm like, one day a week is not enough on top of, of course, my schedule. A seven o'clock meeting does not fit in my schedule. Yeah, mine, um, I tried the two local ones and it ends up the two local ones are fighting with each other over space. And they were like, you can't go to one and not the other. Or like, you can't go to both. Like, and I was like, how very gay. Yeah. That is- <laughs> <laughs> like that, that they're like all being catty, you know, with like, you know, the, the, the middle class sober people versus the upper class ones who didn't want to be outside in the pandemic. And it was just ridiculous. That is a mess. So. And I have visited a few normal AAs, I mean, normal meetings, and it's, you kind of see that where it's like the, the upper class, depending on the time that they go, it's all the housewives and the retired mm-hmm. people. So you find it clicky. So I know my experience stepping into the rooms, it, the discussion of the higher power came up quite a bit, almost in everybody's share. And for me, I have a lot of prejudice towards religion. And so that the discussion of higher power honestly almost took me out of the rooms very quickly within my first three days. Mm-hmm. So how, I mean, I don't, what was your history with spirituality and how did you move past any prejudice you may have had? My childhood and young adulthood was very, like I grew up in the Catholic church and it was not for me. (laughs) Um, You know, it was one of those things where like, even in high school, being in a Catholic school, I had to go to like mass as part of school and take religion as a class. And it all kind of like had me sour on it. Um, And so it was really like when I first stepped into the rooms and they were like higher power, this higher power that I was like, well, I'm just going to skip those parts. It's like when you first see the steps and you're not sure what's going to happen, you're like, okay, I could do this one. I'm going to skip that one. We'll fast forward through this one. I'll change this one to be what I want. Like you learn real quickly that that's not how it works. But um, it eventually, like once I was able to wrap my mind around that, it's like a higher power of like your understanding. Um, that was the big game changer that it's a spiritual program, but it's not a religious program. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I never even really understood the difference before coming into the program, but like the fact that, you know, someone can say that their higher power is, you know, a gremlin or something like, you know, it was like, you know, if it, if it works for them, uh, it works like it doesn't have to be one thing or another. I, I've heard um, the most crazy one I've heard thus far. I mean, hey, it works for them is a biker's higher power with Celine Dion. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know what? If it works, it works. Yeah. So you, um, we discussed that you kind of compared um, the higher power to video games. Yes. So well, can it, you elaborate? Yeah, that was kind of my like aha moment when I realized you know, what the purpose of a higher power, like the importance of having one is I was journaling like all my, my thoughts out before I started like podcasting them and putting them into audio form and writing it out. unlike like lazy ass writers. So like higher power was just too long to write out. So I just was abbreviating it at HP, HP, and I'm a big video gamer. And in a lot of like RPGs that you play, HP is like your hit points, or your health points. It's like the life that keeps you alive and going. And so like, I had this aha moment where I was just like, well, holy crap, like my, my HP is like my higher power is like my hit points in the video games. It's like the thing that keeps you going. And like, you do things that top it off. Like, you know, in the video games, it's like take a potion or sleep at an inn. In like real life, it's like go to a meeting or meditate. But like the, the, the kind of the allegory or the comparison between the two, like put it into a language where I understand where like having that belief and faith in your higher power is just having that trust that there's like something greater than yourself that, you know, can be looking out for you. I mean, the number of times that I would drink and drive or put myself in dangerous sexual situations or just drink so much that I should just have died of alcohol poisoning. Like the number of times I put my body through all of that different kind of crap and like survived. And that's not a sign that there was something or, you know, higher power than myself, like looking out for me. I don't know what it would be. Yeah, I know. I put myself in a lot of very bad sexual situations while drunk or literally flying to different states just to get drunk with people that would pay for this stuff. I was very selfish yeah. in my in my drinking and I've been coined a bougie drunk mm -hmm. because I've ne I never drink at home. Yeah, because I, I constituted if I didn't drink at home, I, I wasn't going to consider myself an alcoholic. Yeah, I, I said that at first. And then I didn't. <laughs> it was one of those rules where like I had so many rules when I was drinking that like, you know, if I ended up drinking at home, like I'll know I need to stop or that's the problem. Or I know if I drink in the day, you know, that it's a problem. Or if I drink, you know, if, if I'm hiding it, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Like all these different things that I said I would never do, but I did pretty much all of them before the end of it. Yeah. I mean, I was, I, I never drank it like at home by myself, but I, I was spending close to $2,000 a month at a bar. Wow. So, yes. Yeah. It was, it was a little much, um, but you were, you were comparing HP of course, cause I actually do the same thing, especially when texting anybody in the group, I actually compare HP to Harry Potter uh -huh. because I think that if somebody is at like a rock bottom, their own rock bottom and is able to connect with their higher power, get sober, maintain it, be of service to others. Like to me, that's a magical thing. Yeah. And I'm a huge Potterhead, so it's like, but I, I can never say, like, I've never used Harry Potter a lot just because I don't want to get sued by J.K. Rowling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, and I mean, for, for me, at least, uh, like, the higher power eventually, like, at first I was like, I'm not even going to say the G word, like, because that means that they win. But, like, after a while, just, like, again, like, higher power was just so much to say out loud that, like, now in meetings when people are like, you know, start the serenity prayer with God, I'm like, sure, I'll go with it. 
like I'm okay with that term now that I've like wrapped my head around it. It's just like shorthand for everything it means to me. Yeah, see, God for me is a generic term. So it's yeah. no matter whether it's universe, nature, whatever it could be, just it's a God, it's your own God. So it's yeah. again, it's still got to be your own conception. So what is the the step that you had the most problem with moving through? I would say it's, I mean, I'm on, I'm just starting step five with my sponsor. Like we started doing readings on it before and we're like starting the step, I think tonight. So I would say step four, uh, mostly because the first three steps were ones that I would, you know, a lot of it was like wrapping your mind around things, but it wasn't so much like taking action. Like it was just like admitting that I had a problem and, um, you know, that I was powerless and, you know, the concept of the higher power, like all that stuff I was able to uh, do pretty much on my own. My first three months of sobriety, I had tried getting a sponsor once and I was like, well, that didn't work for me because we didn't work out. And so I was like, well, I guess I'm just a broken person who sponsored, like who isn't meant for the sponsoring. <laughs> and then like, I ended up finding one after my three months that is an amazing part of my sobriety and my amazing part of my life now in general. Um, but that's like kind of where we restarted we started from step one again but it was because like I had done step one two and three on my own and he was like that's not how it works <laughs> or like <laughs> you know it could be how it works it certainly gave me a head start on how all three work but he was like let's just like you're working on a, a like a long recovery not a quick recovery so we started from step one but step four was the one that I was like worried about just writing out like all the the crap like I was where we're worried most probably about the sex inventory. Cause like, that's how they broke it down was like about like your fears, your like um, people you've heard this way, that way. And like, when mm -hmm. was like your sex inventory? Like, Oh no, there's not enough pen and paper in the world for me, but it ended up <laughs> being mostly myself that I hurt during my sex inventory. Not so much the others that I was afraid it would be. Yeah. I know I worked through my, I mean, my sponsor made me work through this. I was very quickly because many people go one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. And they yeah. kind of relapse. And so he's like, we're starting step four. He's like, you have two days to complete this. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, crap. And it filled like 30 something pages. Yeah. It took us like four hours to kind of get through everything. It was really intense. But the sex inventory, I felt the same way. I thought, oh, my God, this is going to be too much. So I kind of grouped people together. I was like, oh, out of the country whores um, <laughs> in the state hookups, because I don't know their names. But in turn going through the that step five and six through seven it really made me understand the reason i was doing that was like something internalized because mm -hmm. it was me like kind of hating myself so i was doing this in hopes it would make me better and yeah so i'm i'm really happy that you're about to move into step five and six and seven because those are kind of grouped together yeah because that to me that was like a major turning point in understanding why i drank mm -hmm. And it's, so it's been, it's been good, at least for me so far. Um, yeah. What is anything that you would recommend to somebody in the community that is scared to like jump into the rooms and stuff like that in fear of judgment? Cause they, the program is mostly seen as a cis male thing. I mean, uh, the biggest thing for me was finding the, the right meeting, like in finding the right group. Um, that was the game changer for me. Cause at first I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do the sobriety thing. I don't know how I'm going to like do this 12 step program thing. You know, I was going to meetings and I was like, this isn't for me. They're not for me. Like, where do I belong? And it was just a matter of like, keep on trying different meetings until you find the right one. I definitely would recommend like 
when I first started, like I mentioned, like, I mean, I had a sponsor, we met once or twice, it didn't work out. They're like, you're all done with the steps. And I'm like, how's that happened? Like, we didn't even like, I just basically like told you like, hi, I have a problem. And he was like, you graduated, we're done here. And so I just put that off for a lot longer than I probably should have. And so like finding a sponsor and finding the right meeting for you are like the two game changers for me for my sobriety. Did you expect when you finding your sponsor to have this like magical eye connecting moment and like it, that's my sponsor it wasn't so much I mean it, it was more like when I first announced in the meeting I had been going there for like a week and I was like yes this is my place these are my people um so I finally felt comfortable like sharing in a meeting like hey I'm gonna stick afterwards for fellowship because I need a sponsor and I was expecting like there to be like a line of people like waiting for me at the end of the meeting like being like <laughs> like and I was like uh, yeah, I don't know what it was. I thought I would be like the, you know, the, the new bottom in a nightclub or something and just having like everyone fight for me. And it wasn't like that at all. It was like, as I learned, it was more about like finding that connection with a person that like you wanted what you have. And like, so eventually like I did like watch in our meeting, like at one part, they're like, you know, everyone raise your hand if you're have a year more sobriety. So people know the program works and just like looking at the different people who were raising their hands, like time after time and being like, no maybe yes no and then like finding the one that i was like yeah that's the person that i want to be my sponsor and luckily they said yes and it, it helps like they're, they're i'm very much like a, a tell me what to do and i'll do it type of person so that looks out that they're a teacher so they're used to instructing so it's it's a good symbiosis between the two of us that is good i i kind of did the same thing um a coworker for almost 14 years in was like you go to your damn meeting tonight you say you need to sponsor and so mm -hmm. that's what i did i was like i'm holding i need a sponsor and somebody approached me after the meeting and I put them on a trial basis. Yeah. I don't know you. So it's like, okay, I'll, I'll take you on as long as you're on a trial basis for a few weeks. And shockingly, it's really worked out. Um, I haven't had to fire my sponsor yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you never know what the future holds. So what have we not talked about that you would like to kind of discuss with the, the listeners? uh my podcast i guess yeah of course um, and then just in general like i mean like podcasting in general has been like a huge thing for me to help keep me accountable and not that everyone who gets sober should start a podcast but i remember like i started mine to and prepared it to launch on like my 90 days and I remember there were times during that first 90 days where I was like ready to pick up, but I was like, I can't because I'm going to be making this podcast and just, um, you know, having people reach out to me on Instagram when I was doing the, the pre-promotions that were like, I'm so excited to like find it. I saw your trailer and I'm following you and like, you know, people that encourage me. Um, so actually now that I say it, I mean, yes, of course, I'm going to promote myself at the end of it, but also, you know, with that uh, big part was getting connected online with like through Instagram, there's like this huge sober LGBT community that I've also found beautiful just on there that I wasn't expecting to find because I've never been much of a social media person to begin with. But I mean, that's where we found each other. It's where I found other podcasts, but I've also just found other sober people that I've been able to connect with there that, you know, there's fellows in the program, but I've also learned through people on Instagram that there are other ways that people get sober too. And it's just made me appreciate recovery as a whole, just that much more. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoy your podcast because when I was searching, all I found was one other gay podcast that was mm -hmm. not centered around the 12 steps yes. or any type of higher power. And I was like, so that's when I kind of decided, okay, well, I guess I have to start my own. And then they released an episode with you, a part of it. Yes. And so I was like, oh my God, yes, another gay podcast. 
And so I went and listened. Um, I think I listened to like 15 episodes because you release one normally Mondays about what you're going through. And then I believe on Thursdays, most of the time with guests. Yes, yes. And I like the array of guests that you have and their stories and everything. So, I mean, his podcast is actually a very good listen as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I would definitely head over there. I will, put, of course, put a link in the uh, the description of this video so you can find it easily. Um, yeah, I mean, Gay A is a very, very good podcast regarding the 12 traditions and the the step work. Yes. And it was one of those where like, of course, when I first searched, I was searching for things like gay and sober, sober, gay and blah, blah, blah. And that wasn't showing up. And then when I thought of the name, like gay, a, am like, well, of course, that has to be my the name of my podcast. But I love the name of yours, too. It's I'm a weird unicorn person. I mean, me and my friends bite to the unicorn shit all the time. And I'm like, I don't know, it just it just kind of fit the sober unicorn. And then, as I said in a previous episode, that the dot com was taken. And it pissed me off because they haven't been active for years. But you know what? I'm not going to build any more resentments because <laughs> I don't need to deal with those again because those were yeah. horrible. But um, I do want to appreciate you coming on, taking time out of your day. And I hope I, I look forward to hearing how your step five goes. Yes, I'll be sure to keep you updated. I'll definitely be doing an episode about it as well. So Yes. If anyone, you know, definitely check out the podcast, Gay A Podcast, or uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Gay A Podcast. That's where I am everywhere. Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Hit that follow button to be notified about new episodes every week. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Instagram at The Sober Unicorn Podcast or on our website at thesoberunicornpodcast.com. There you will find our episodes as well as our very own Sober Owned Shop featuring products from small businesses that are sober owned. And remember everyone, don't be normal, be a unicorn, but better yet, be a sober unicorn.